It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is your LA Rams podcast. Your host, Mark here. Season 2, Episode 10. Hopefully you caught Episodes 7, 8, and 9 last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We did a circuit around the NFC West. We visited with podcasters from the Cardinal Seahawks and 49ers. Had a good time with all three of them. Checking in on our NFC West rivals to see how they are doing this offseason. Really good stuff. I encourage you to go back and check out those three episodes Now we turn our attention to the draft and a couple other fun things we have in mind for this podcast. So coming up on this episode, we're going to have Tom Kortz on to talk about Debo Samuel and the Bobby Wagner contract. We'll also discuss the Honey Badger, yay or nay, for the Rams. I'm going to compare my most recent power rankings to Colin Cowherd's, the power rankings he just released. And I also have my first Rams mock draft to share with you. And we're also going to have a sports pet peeve you'll enjoy. And a very unique fearsome four, I'm not sure what to call it, a fearsome four something 
that I think you'll enjoy. Before we get into the meat of our podcast, I'd like to talk briefly about the passing of Dwayne Haskins. Looked like he was trying to get things together with the Steelers. Killed in South Florida, trying to cross the 595, hit by a dump truck, and apparently killed instantly. Really sad. Seemed like he was doing all the right things to get his career back on track. Steelers seemed to be in love with him, his teammates as well. The saddest thing about this whole affair, well, maybe not the saddest, the saddest is that a 24-year-old young man died, but almost as distressing is, one, the coverage of his death. A couple of reporters made some mistakes in that regard. But equally as distressing is the focus many people have on this coverage. Everybody just needs to let it go. A couple of reporters blew it. Let's get back to focusing on the loss of life here. That's what the focus here should be. So rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. Really sad day for the NFL. During our circuit through the NFC West, I mentioned real briefly that the Rams had signed free agent punter Riley Dixon. I wanted to add a little bit more detail to that. Dixon is very similar to Johnny Hecker in a lot of ways especially over the last year statistically, but kind of interesting. Hecker, 6'5", 225. Dixon, 6'4", 221. So stature-wise, very similar. Statistically, last year, Dixon had a lot more punts, 74 to 51, due to the team he was playing for, the offensively inept New York Giants. Even though he had 23 more punts, He only had one more dropped inside the 20 than Hecker, so that's a little alarming. Average-wise, very similar. Dixon, 44.4. Hecker, 44.2. Net, Hecker, significantly better, 42.6 to 39.5. But, of course, that is a special teams stat as much as it is a punting stat. But most importantly, consider this. Last year, Hecker was paid $3.7 million. And this year, he will carry a dead cap hit of 942000 Now, Dixon's going to hit the Rams for 895 on their salary cap. So you're basically getting Dixon for half of what it would have cost to have Hecker on the roster. And Hecker, yeah, he's capable of pulling off those magical kicks inside the 20 on occasion, but he's really lost the distance. He's a little bit older, getting up there in years. His play has been telling off. Dixon, younger, with a better special teams unit behind him. I think this is a good move for the Rams. Now, we won't know for sure. A couple years down the road, we'll look back and we'll decide if the Rams made the right move. But as I discussed recently, the Rams are really good at knowing who to let walk. The NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get ready for all of the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner 
of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. As I mentioned earlier, our primary focus over the next few weeks will be the NFL Draft. And just like last year, I will be posting periodic mock drafts. Now for this first mock draft, the first thing I considered is what do they need this year? And in my opinion, it's in order, cornerback, offensive line, and edge. A lot of people are calling out edge as one of their biggest needs. I'm not sure I'm in full agreement with that. Leonard Floyd, Justin Hollins, Terrell Lewis, Chris Garrett on board right now. No Vaughn Miller, but you know what? We played half the season without Vaughn, and our pass rush was just fine. So is there room for improvement? Yeah, well, there's room for improvement basically everywhere. But I'll leave Edge on here. Biggest needs this year, cornerback, offensive line, and Edge. But what about next year? Because when you're drafting in the third through seventh rounds, oftentimes you're going to find a player that doesn't play much that first year, but is ready to go the second year. The Rams have done this many times. And who are their free agents next year? They're unrestricted free agents in 2023. Two defensive linemen, Ashawn Robinson and Greg Gaines. Three offensive linemen, including two starters, Rob Havenstein, David Edwards, and Bobby Evans. Two safeties and a cornerback, Taylor Rapp, Nick Scott, and David Long. So while you may think we don't need a defensive lineman this year or even a safety, they may want to invest this year in both of those position groups so they're not stung real bad next year. Now, of course, there's the other aspect of it. The Rams will have some additional money to go out and sign free agents. Ashawn Robinson right now getting paid $8.5 million. Rob Havenstein, $8.1 million. And hopefully we can keep some of these guys. I'm sure some of them will want to stick around. So this year, yes, cornerback, offensive lineman, and edge. Next year, offensive lineman, safety, and defensive line. So for my mock draft, I identified what players I wanted, what positions I wanted, and I decided in this draft I was going to try to take two offensive linemen, preferably interior and tackle, two cornerbacks, as versatile as I can find, two defensive linemen, one safety, and one edge. The highest priority is cornerback. I'd like them to come out with a big interior offensive lineman. I'd like a monster defensive lineman. And if value is there, an edge rusher. And I'd also like to grab a versatile safety. So using the Draft Network's Mock Draft Simulator, this is what I got. My first pick, number 104 overall, Zion McCollum, cornerback out of Sam Houston State. Team captain, tons of intangibles, and a zone fit. This is right about where he would be taken, I suspect. Good value, and it matches my number one priority, grab a cornerback. My second pick, 142 overall, John Ridgeway, interior defensive lineman out of Arkansas. Very versatile or along a three-man front. Again, good value here. This is more for next year with Gaines and Robinson set to 
be free agents, undrafted free agents, and I'm not sure what we have in Bobby Brown yet. So John Ridgeway with that second pick for the Rams. The third pick, 175 overall, Thayer Munford, interior offensive line, Ohio State. I was tempted to take the edge guy here, Alex Wright, but saw appeal in Munford. He's versatile, played in a big-time program, four-year starter, type of guy the Rams like. Now, he's labeled as interior offensive line. He can play tackle, though. Fourth pick, 211th pick overall, cornerback Demarion Williams out of Houston. So I actually have two cornerbacks already. And I don't feel bad about that. Another team captain, he can play outside the slot and has even played a little bit of safety. Fifth pick, 212 overall, James Empey, interior offensive line out of BYU. He's a little bit older. He's already done his mission for the LDS. 64303. His dad is the BYU O line coach. That's another thing the Rams have always leaned on is guys that have football in the family. He's not a great athlete, but he can get it done in the middle. Next pick, 218 overall. Isaiah Polamau, safety out of USC, 64205. Another really versatile guy. He could potentially play some corner. But if he's a single high safety, he can cover ground very fast, sideline to sideline guy. Hey, I kind of like safeties out of USC. Who doesn't? Second to last pick, number seven for the Rams, 238 overall. I finally get my edge guy, Michael Clemens out of Texas A&M, 6'5", 263. High motor, highly productive over the last two seasons, 11 sacks. Long and strong, a little stiff, they say. But most scouts don't have any problem with this guy, and there is hopes that he could be a starter at the NFL level. And the last pick, I had originally said I wanted to get two defensive linemen, but I went with a running back here, Zonovan Knight, the running back out of North Carolina State. He was the second highest guy on the board at that point, 5'11", 210, compares favorably to someone like Lamar Miller, Perfect in his own scheme. Needs a little bit of work in pass blocking and receiving. Explosive runner. And, and the reason I decided to take a running back is every one of the Rams' top three running backs has an injury concern of some type. So get a young guy in there. Doesn't have to contribute unless someone goes down. Now, right after this, I ran an automated draft using the network's predictive model. And they actually went with a safety first, Dane Belton out of Iowa. I didn't really like that pick. When your first pick isn't till the late in the third round, you got to pick a little bit for a need, right? And safety is not something they need this year. Their next pick was Dominique Robinson Edge. I'm okay with that. They actually picked Thayer Munford, just as I did. And they followed that with a linebacker, Joshua Ross. I was not thinking linebacker at all in this draft. Just don't see it as a need. It's never been a point of emphasis for the Rams, and I don't think it will be this year. Next up, they picked Marquand McCall, an interior defensive lineman out of Kentucky. Makes sense. James Mitchell, a tight end out of Virginia Tech. Another position I took off my board now. Less need in Sean McVay. May have some tight end that they are absolutely in love with. But how are we to know? I'm not going to pick a tight end 
if I'm picking for the Rams. And with the Rams' seventh pick, they actually went with a running back as well, Jerrion Ely out of Ole Miss. And the last pick, a cornerback, Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama. And this is why I think this automated draft is a little screwy. In my mind, cornerback is their biggest need, and they don't pick one until the Rams' final pick. So I like my picks better. Might have liked it more if I had found two defensive linemen instead of just one. Maybe not the running back, but that's my first mock draft using the Draft Network's predictive model, me making the picks, and then the second set automated picks by the Draft Network. We will do this again occasionally. Hey, if you have a mock draft you want me to share, to send us an email, ramsuppodcast at gmail.com, see what we can do. Haven't done a sports pet peeve in a while, but we got a new one for you. If you're watching the Houston, Illinois March Madness basketball game, you probably know what I'm going to talk about. There was a technical called in that game on Illinois player R.J. Melendez for hanging on the rim. After a slam dunk, hung on the rim a little longer than the refs cared for, and they teed him up. Reggie Miller was the color commentator on that game, and he went ballistic. How can you call that? And they'll let you hang on the rim if it's for your own safety or another player's safety who happens to be beneath you, crossing underneath, that sort of thing. But if they feel like you're hanging on the rim just to kind of show off, maybe consider it taunting, they'll tee you up. The problem is it's such a judgment call, and... When a player slam dunks the ball, he really can't make that assessment in real time, whether it's safe to let go of the rim. In fact, I would say hanging onto the rim is always a good idea, at least for a second, for your own safety. Now, I prefer not to slam dunk myself. I'll just take the shots from outside. More of a set shot kind of guy. But if I decided I was going to slam dunk, I'm going to hang on the rim for a second if anybody is near me, defenders or teammates. I'm going to hang on to the rim a little while, but maybe that's just me. They really need to get rid of this rule. Now, there's going to be times where it's obvious someone is hanging on the rim and making a fool of themselves. Go ahead, TM up. But plays like this, you hang on for just another second, dangle there for a minute to make sure it's clear underneath, You can't be teeing people up for this. Just get rid of the hanging on the rim technical foul and just have a generic taunting technical foul. Hey, I've seen people shoot threes and keep that same pose for four seconds after the shot. Is it really that much different? At least when you're hanging on the rim, there's a possibility you could hurt somebody, including yourself, by letting go. And can't they at least just give a warning? They give a warning for flopping, but not for hanging on the rim. I don't know. I don't like this rule. Nobody liked that call. Got to get rid of it. Got to get rid of this blanket technical foul for hanging on the rim. Just make it a taunting technical 
but it's got to be super obvious not every time someone hangs on a rim for two seconds. Hey everybody, I have Tom Quartz with me and we are going to hit on a few subjects of interest. Off the top, let's talk about Debo Samuel and what's going on with him and the Niners. I know he's playing the social media game, trying to maybe back the Niners into a corner uh, once that new contract. And I know you have some opinions on that and how it, re- it basically relates to the do business as opposed to the way the Rams do business. So fill us all in what's going on with Samuel and the 49ers. Yeah, well, Debo, obviously everybody knows he took down uh, his social media as it relates to the Niners. And But what's interesting about that is that he did it in a very specific way. And he actually went through all of his photos from on uh, on Instagram, essentially forever, um, in the last, you know, essentially three years, two years. And took down anything uh, as it related to the Niners. There was 80 pictures reportedly, one by one, and he left everything up. So it was a lot of work. It wasn't just a sort of, a, oh, let's take down the Niners, uh, you know, um, on his front page or something like that, which some of the other people have done. So so that is, you know, you could, if you read into that, it may be a indication that, you know, he's very unhappy with how the conversations are going between his representation and the, and the Niners. But, you know, obviously from his perspective, uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill get their deals. And then this was all triggered right after Stephon Diggs got his extension. And to summarize those deals, they're roughly 20 to $25 million a year. And uh, just as importantly is the guaranteed money, which is, you know, 65 for Adams and 72 for, uh, for Diggs and Tyreek, I think around 70. So 65 to 70 roughly on in guaranteed money. And so, uh, from Debo's perspective, you know, he's 26, entering the prime of his career. These guys are sort of, you know, uh, on their on their second contracts and um, and kind of maybe heading into uh, at the peak of their at the peak of their uh, uh, careers now and maybe heading into decline. Um, he accounted for 25 percent, roughly 20, 20, 25, 27 percent of San Francisco's entire offense last year. And only three other That's players crazy. in the only three other players in the league were in that realm. And uh, and then, all, you know, on top of that, he's really innovated this wide back position and um, in, 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 a, in a big way. I mean, obviously it was Shanahan's plan, but without a player like Debo, uh, you're not going to be able to do it. Somebody that has that kind of speed, but also that kind of physicality that can take those kind of uh, that kind of a beating coming out of the backfield, like he did running into linemen and linebackers. So, uh, so that that's Debo's perspective is, Hey, you know, I've meant everything to you guys. I've given you everything I can, I, you know, everything you've asked for. I've taken a beating physically uh, to try and get us over the hump. And, uh, and I want to get paid and I want to get paid uh, with the top players in the, uh, in the league. But you also think, uh, if I talk, if I understand what you told me earlier, before we had this conversation, you're wondering if the Niners are willing to do that based on their business model. Yeah, and so yeah, so from the team's perspective, from the Niners' perspective, 
you know, those three receivers that got paid, those you know, top receivers in the league, um, they're all at a performed at an all pro level for multiple years. Got you know teams over the uh, their their playoff teams, Super Bowl champion in the case of of Tyreek Hill. Uh, Devontae Adams obviously been performing for many years. Same with Stefan Diggs, you know, at a top level for multiple years. And Debo has only performed like at, at that level for one year. He was, he did not have a good first year. He was injured and he really emerged for one year. So from their perspective, Hey, show us another year and uh, show us that you're, you can stay on the field and uh, stay healthy and continue to perform. And then we'll look at your extension after year three uh, so, you know, Debo's still on his rookie contract. And if uh, they have, the, really the team has all the leverage, right? They have, they have, they can, worst case for Debo, they could have him play this year out at his rookie deal around 4 million or whatever it is. And, uh, and then theoretically could franchise tag him each of the next two years. And um, that's not, you know, where any player wants to be. Certainly I think the Niners wouldn't want it to be there, but, at the end of the day, that's the leverage that they have. Those are the rules. Not a lot of people don't like it, but um, you know it is, and it happens. So, uh, how? And then the other thought is: Do the Niners are the Niners going to pay top top dollar for that position? Right? Are they going to are, are they going to extend somebody uh, for seventy? You know, with a seventy million dollar guarantee, when the most they've ever extended somebody is is, you know, much lower than that. That's not their norm. So the, the, and then the other, the whole other rub to this, Mark, is that, is that there's, this is not just a Debo Samuel, San Francisco 49er conversation. This is something's happened in the league over the last three months where the, the wide receiver position is just inflated in, in their contract sizes dramatically. And these trades that are happening are, are almost quarterback like in terms of what teams are giving up to get these top receivers and then paying them top. Even dollars. the Christian, even the Christian Kirk contract. Christian Kirk, uh, many see as a, a number two wide receiver, but the the draft picks that that uh, the uh, Las Vegas gave up for Devontae Adams and and Miami gave up for Tyreek Hill and the kind of money they're getting paid, and and the the reason that that's so uh, uh, that there's such a debate around that is because. At the very same time, we're seeing these wide receivers coming out uh, and performing extremely well right away in their rookie con on these uh, in their uh, rookie years. You know, Jamar Chase and uh, and Jalen Waddle, Justin, Justin Jefferson, right. Devontae Smith, and the list goes on. And it doesn't. You know, this year's draft is everybody's talking about the wide receivers. As many as five could go in the top. 15 or 20. So, uh, so on the one hand, you have people paying top dollar. And on the other hand, there's this, there's this glut of, of wide receivers that's available. And, um, and so the question is relating back to Debo is do the four, which camp are the 49ers in, right? We know what camp the Packers were in. Let's let him go. We'll get draft picks. We'll get, save a ton of money on the cap and be able to uh, draft some guys and plug them in. And that's the same thing that uh, that the uh, Chiefs feel. And uh, so the question is, where are the 49ers? Are we going? Are they in the? We're going to pay top dollar in the Miami Las Vegas camp, 
or are they in the, hey, let's cash them in for, for assets and draft some guys that can plug in and play right away? Yeah, and the other side of it is, you know, a lot of times teams are willing to pay top dollar to their top performers when they have a quarterback on a rookie contract. But usually those are cases when your rookie court, when your quarterback is a known quantity and has proven himself. And I'm not sure if that's true at Trey Lance. I'm sure they're hopeful, certainly hopeful he is that guy. And, oh, okay, we have him on a rookie contract for the next three years or whatever. So let's go ahead and spend the money on Debo. And then the downside, of course, if it doesn't work out, I mean, Trey Lance taking over the reins, having Debo there would be such so important for, for him to be able to lean on Debo. And if he doesn't have him, if, if things go sideways, that, that's bad news for the 49ers, in my opinion. Exactly. And you know, the, you're right. Exactly right. Debo would be very important to Trey Lance's um, success. So it'll be interesting to see what they ultimately do, how they treat it. Uh, you know, the other consideration, of course, is the, the salary cap is is becoming is going up a lot, right? It's going to be potentially two two thirty, two forty next year, and then up to even potentially even three hundred the following year. We're given all this new TV money and Amazon money coming into the NFL. So, a lot of these deals that have been signed over the last year or two are looking pretty good right now. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes' contract it's almost a bargain at this point, and um, you know because he was signed for ten years, and so. Uh, but those things will get renegotiated. But the point is that uh, that signing people at top dollar right now doesn't mean it's going to be top dollar in a year or two. And and so the 49ers may look at that and sort of maybe compromise and say, hey, we'll give him we'll give you 60, 65 million guaranteed Debo and, uh, you know, a- average per year of 25. Let's 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 put it at two years um, and uh, make maybe make it 50 guaranteed and guarantee the whole thing. And that way, if if you're if you don't stay healthy, then we're not on the hook for you know multiple years. And if you do stay healthy, then you can um, get paid either by us or somebody else. So there's a lot of ways to go. Okay, hey, let's move on to Bobby Wagner. There was a lot of um, misunderstanding going on about what his contract actually was. And I know some media personalities got involved in that discussion. Wagner represents himself. And a lot of people are saying, hey, he could have got more money from the Ravens. He turned it down for the Rams. I read one article talking about how the Rams went too deep on this contract and they're going to end up getting bitten by it. But if you, if the details of this contract are that I understand now as they're playing out, it actually gives the Rams an escape clause. But I, I would rather you try to explain it because I think you have a better grasp of it. Yeah, so the way that the, the, the it, it is very intricate, and and what's interesting about how intricate it is, uh, is that Bobby Wagner, you know, negotiated this himself, right? The the, the the layers to this contract are actually quite complex, but in summary, it's essentially a uh, the the uh, the worst case is it's two years, seventeen and a half million, uh, with up to twenty three million. At 23 and a half million. So another $6 million in bonuses. So it would put him at about $8 million a year average for the first uh, two years uh, with it up to, you know, an additional 3 million in bonuses per year. And 
they're many like many contracts given the expectation that the capital increase next year the, the there's only a two and a half million dollar cap hit this year for what it's worth um, but a lot of contracts uh, are or have been negotiated in that fashion um, including say uh, you know notably for rams stafford's contract i think had is is only a seven and a half million dollar cap hit this year so um but when you look at it further the way it plays out is, is it's essentially a, a averages of about nine, nine and a half million dollars a year over five years. But the Rams have uh, per year over five years. But the Rams have escape hatches where they're the dead money isn't that bad if they want to if they want to get out in year three, four or five. Can they get it out of it as soon as next year? They can. There's a there's a bit much bigger dead money hit if they do it next year. But after after year two. If they get out of it, then the dead money hit is is nominal. So that's why people are reporting it as essentially a two year a two year deal, nine million a year, you know, uh, uh, eight million a year with an additional three million a year in bonuses. And that's- this seems like a, a good deal for both sides. It seems like you know Wagner gets a chance to. It's kind of a, a prove it deal uh, where he's going to get some some real money up front though, and he gets to play in L.A. And if it doesn't work out, the Rams can can escape at the right moment. And uh, I don't. Everybody wins from what I can see. It looks like a good contract for both sides. Yeah, it is. It's it's uh, the way they they staged it is as long as he continues to perform, he gets paid. Uh, you know, sort of in that ten million dollar a year range, and um, and it's a kind of a year to year thing, right? It's, it's, it's sort of already spelled out. They can, of course, always renegotiate it at any time, depending on how things go. But essentially it's a, like I say, a two year deal uh, for all practical purposes uh, with some heavy bonuses. And then it's a year to year deal after that at about $10 million. Yeah, that's um, it was interesting to see the back and forth uh, in, uh, in the media about that. And I think it was because of the complexity and because Wagner doesn't have an agent. So he kind of had to speak for himself, but it was, it was a little bit entertaining. Last thing we I'd like to talk to you about, get your opinion on this. I have mine, uh, a little bit of a, a battle between various Ram fans about whether, whether they should pursue the honey badger. Now, let me state my position on this. I see the Rams having four, viable safeties. I mean, I think Fuller and Scott, I think, are the starters right now, perhaps Fuller and Rapp, but I think it'd be Fuller and Scott with Burgess and Rapp as the backups. That's not a bad safety room. Uh, you could certainly do worse. And meanwhile, we're a little short on cornerbacks. And, and now I talked to a few people and they said, you know, the Ram model is if there's a good player out there, go get him. When they drafted Aaron Donald, they didn't need defensive linemen. When they drafted Todd Gurley, they didn't need running backs. They went out and got difference makers, though. And, and I understand that argument. My, my position is, is when you are strapped up against the cap, um, you just better take care of some other things first, perhaps, and, and not sign someone that's going to preclude you from making a move that, you, that may be more important. So that's my position. Would I be happy if the Rams signed the Honey Badger Sure, I would be, but you know, you also have to be aware. You have to be reasonable, reasonable about it, and say, you know, we we may end up being a little bit shorthanded at cornerback down the road because we're so stocked at safety. 
Uh, that's my take on it. What's yours? Yeah, the Rams don't have a uh, don't traditionally pay top dollar for this position, right? They they this is a position that they feel at safety that they can draft guys and they can play right away. And we have you know Jordan Fuller, Taylor Rapp, and Nick Scott, you know, Terrell Burgess doing exactly that. And uh, those are young guys that have a lot of athleticism. Uh, that obviously that secondary is led by Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they do have a hole at that other cornerback uh, position uh, for sure. Uh, and I don't, I don't see them signing Honey Badger at all. I think that other teams have uh, a much higher pay a much higher premium and, and put a put a higher premium on that position. Um, and we we know what Seattle did with you know for Jamal Adams, right? So. I don't see the Rams doing it. Obviously it's going to cost them a comp pick, which is something that's they They hold near and dear to their hearts. It's, it's essential that they accumulate comp picks in order to uh, have those uh, get the draft picks um, and retain those. Uh, so they've already given up one uh, comp pick next year with the uh, Allen Robinson signing. And uh, so that's another reason that it sort of doesn't fit with their, you know, what, what they've done traditionally. So I, I don't see them doing it. Um, I, I hope they don't do it. And I hope that they focus on cornerback and, uh, and right guard in particular in the, uh, in the draft and, you know, with a nod to the edge, although I think we'll be fine with Hollins and Lewis and maybe a mid season, um, uh, you know, trade deadline signing, which is kind of what their, their MO has been, uh, at that particular position, but corner, you know, cornerback two and right guard are, in my opinion, massive holes for this you, team. You have, you have expressed interest in trading for uh, the cornerback Bradbury. Yeah, he's very expensive too. Um, and who knows? I mean, we could see uh, something happen uh, at the during the draft with a trade, but he is going to be expensive. Um, if they if they are going to pay if they're going to pay somebody. It's going to be at cornerback. It's not going to be at, in, yeah. at safety, in my opinion. I mean, that's a good. That's a good. Um, you know, putting it in perspective, who would you rather have, uh, Bradbury to shore up the? You know, we'd be solid at cornerback if we brought him on board through a trade. I, I'd certainly rather have him than uh, the Honey Badger at this point. Yeah. So I think the Rams are going to be active during the uh, during the the draft. I think they're going to be jockeying. They might keep their, that, that third round pick, or if you some consider it a fourth round pick, cause it's so far at the end of the third round <laughs> beyond the end of the third round. Um, but, uh, and f- go for a cornerback there, uh, maybe, a, a maybe a, a, a guard in inside lineman, um, or, uh, and then after that, they may ultimately start to trade back and accumulate even more drafts, more, even more picks, in the uh, sort of the fifth, sixth, seventh round. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they approach it, but yeah, that's their MO. And right. I mean, they they've been so good at that. I'm sure they have a bunch of guys identified. They'd love to have on the roster that might be there in the sixth and seventh round. So why, why not accumulate extra picks there? Um, yeah. That's, that's less neat at his best. That's a good discussion. Uh, covered all three topics. That's great. And a reminder, we're going to have Tom and Paul Walia back on in a couple of weeks for our pre-draft roundtable. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but thanks for your time, Tom. 
and uh, we'll do this again real soon, okay? That's great. Thanks for having me. love to do my fearsome four questions, my fearsome four lists, and such. And you also know that I have a problem with names. Guilty as charged, I'm horrible at names. The thing is that I actually had a little bit of a career as a sports writer, and in my regular normal career, I do a lot of writing, and I consider myself an excellent writer. I consider myself an excellent speller. However, when you're writing, pronunciation isn't very important. It's kind of meaningless, actually, right? So here I am podcasting, and suddenly spelling doesn't count for anything. I write up outlines for some of these podcasts. I can spell things however I want. But when it comes to pronouncing, game on. And I often lose. So the other day I was discussing some of these names that I struggle with. A couple people were kind of making fun of me. And I thought, you know what? I don't think I'm the only one that has trouble with some of these names. I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to make my fearsome four hardest Ram names to pronounce. And the Rams have a pretty good list. And I'm going to give you my four honorable mentions to start here. And one of them is when I uh, messed up almost the entirety of last season. And that's Ben Skowronik. Ben Skowronik? Ben Skowronik. Ben Skowronik. Honorable mention number one, Ben Skowronik. Honorable mention number two, Chidi Ahanotu. Probably getting that one wrong. And honorable mention three, C.J. Are you? Let's roll with that. And honorable mention number four, Oshiomogho Atagwe. Atagwe is not too bad, but you go ahead and roll with Oshiomogho in the middle of a podcast. Have fun with that. Now the countdown for my top four, my fearsome four hardest Ram names to pronounce. Coming in at number four, you remember the tight end. Brandon Manamalawuna. This rolls right off the tongue there. First some hardest name number three to pronounce. This was not too bad, but I still struggle with it. Pisa Tinoy Samoa. One of my favorite players from the dark days following this greatest show on turf. First some hardest name number two. Ogbania Okorankwo. Now, a lot of people call him Ogo. I got to call him Oko. It doesn't really matter. We all knew who we were talking about, and we were all trying extremely hard to not have to say his real name. And fearsome hardest Ram name to pronounce of all time. And I still don't know how to say this. First name's piece of cake, Michael. Last name, not so much. Bear with me here. Huminawa Nui, the tight end out of Illinois. There are my fearsome four hardest Ram names to pronounce. Most of these in the last 20 or so years, 
There's probably some good ones from back in the old days. But these are all names that most of you have heard and know. My first four hardest Ram names to pronounce. rehash my power rankings this week i'm going to go through my top 10 i did want to compare my last power rankings to the power rankings colin cowherd just posted he had his top 10 and do a quick comparison we were in complete agreement one two three bills rams bucks the bengals i had fourth he had them sixth we've both had the chiefs at five I had the Raiders 7, he had them at 8. I had the Chargers at 9, he had them at 7. And he had the 49ers at 10, as did I. The big difference was, I still had the Packers and Titans in my top 10, 6 and 8 respectively, and he had the Broncos at number 4, and the Ravens at number 9. Interesting. I might have the Packers and the Titans rated up slightly higher than I should, but I don't really see the Ravens necessarily at number nine, the Broncos at four. I mean, I know they got a good defense. They brought in Russell. They have a good receiving core, but I'm still not buying Broncos at four. I think I like my ratings a little better, although maybe Broncos in the top 10 instead of the Titans, maybe the Ravens in the top 10 instead of the Packers, but I would definitely have the Broncos and Ravens probably more like eight and nine rather than four and nine. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.